Good morning, dear friends, and welcome to the fifth installment in our ongoing prophecy series. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, there is much information to be shared in today's study, so please give us all a very clear understanding in these matters, we pray. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, dear friends, now we're in the second chapter of the book of Daniel, and as you may have remembered from part four, the young prophet Daniel is summoned before Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, to reveal to him the dream which he had but could not remember. The king, in his desperation, had called all his advisors before him to tell him what it was that he dreamt, and also the interpretation thereof, but no one could, and so he declared that they all should be killed. But that night God revealed the king's dream to Daniel in a vision, and now, as a representative of the true God, the prophet stands before King Nebuchadnezzar, having just revealed to him what it was that he had dreamt. You might also remember that the dream that the king saw was of a huge towering statue or image composed of different metals in different sections of it. Its head was comprised of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs were made of brass or bronze, if you may, its legs of iron, and its feet and toes were a composite mixture of iron with clay. By the way, for your ease of understanding, I posted a picture in the forum. This is just an artist's conception to make it easier for you to refer to what I'm saying in giving the Bible's description of this image. Then in the dream, as the statue stood there, a stone suddenly seemed to come out of nowhere and hit the image in the section of its feet and toes of iron and clay, so that the whole structure crumbled to dust and blew away with the wind. So having given the dream, the prophet Daniel goes on to give the interpretation of it. In Daniel 2 and verse 36, he continues on and says, This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. Verse 37, You, O king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wherever the sons of men, the beasts of the fields, and the birds of the heavens live, he has given them into your hand, and has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. So we see that the golden head represented the kingdom of Babylon, and not merely the king himself as an individual, but the kingdom itself is symbolized by this golden head of the image. Notice the expanse of Babylon's power and control based on the words of the prophet to the king in verse 38. Again, it says, And wherever the sons of men, the beasts of the fields, and the birds of the heaven live, he has given them into your hand and has made you ruler over them all. So this kingdom, having conquered many other nations, had grown and expanded its territory until it became what is considered the first world ruling empire of history. Babylon, because of its total control over so many other kings of other nations, is brought to view in prophecy as the first in a line of empires that were prophesied to rise to power through history down to the end of the world. Continuing on, the next three words are very, very telling. Verse 39, 
and after you, those three words, and after you, are saying, as powerful as you are, O king, the days of your kingdom are numbered. Babylon's supremacy will end, and another take its place. So it says here in Daniel 2.39, And after you shall arise another kingdom lower than you, and another third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. So notice that each in its turn is considered a kingdom that ruled over other nations, ruled over all the earth. Notice also that the idea of a one-world government that we are hearing a lot about today is not new. Driven by greed and the desire for power and control over their fellow men, there were always those in history who have tried to rule over all the nations, bringing them under its control. So it was then, and so it is today also. And you might be a little surprised to discover who or what system is behind all of this trend in our modern times. But we will just take it step by step and let the Bible inform us in due time about that. Verse 40, And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, since iron crushes and smashes all things, and as the iron that shatters all these, it will crush and shatter. Notice again, dear friends, that it is clear that each kingdom in succession comes to power through warfare, by violently crushing and smashing and shattering the kingdom that ruled before it. So there is a second kingdom following Babylon, represented or symbolized by silver, and then a third kingdom of brass or bronze, and then a fourth kingdom represented by iron, all of them arising and coming to power in succession one after the other. It is clear to see then that the component segments of this image seen in a dream symbolized an unbroken sequence of world-ruling empires, beginning with the kingdom of Babylon, each one gaining dominion and ruling for a number of years, only to be later overthrown and conquered by another that takes its place. The text is very straightforward in setting this forth, leaving no room for misunderstanding. But wait, there is still one more section to the image of the dream, a fifth section. Notice the next verse, Daniel 2.41. And as to that which you saw, the feet and toes were part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it the strength of the iron, because you saw the iron mixed with miry clay. So there you have it, dear friends. The next and final section of the image is represented as an empire of iron mixed with miry clay. Babylon, the head of gold, will be eventually conquered and a new power symbolized by the chest and arms of silver takes its place. They, in turn, will eventually be conquered and a new empire represented as the belly and thighs of brass take its place. Then they too will eventually give way to the legs of iron as they are crushed and smashed and the iron kingdom comes to the forefront. 
and this in turn will give place to the feet and toes of iron mixed with clay. So thus far we see that it was foretold in Bible prophecy that four kingdoms would arise upon the earth beginning with the kingdom of Babylon which was represented as the head of gold on the statue which God showed in a dream. Then there would be a fifth and a final one symbolized by the iron mixed with clay and not just pure clay but the scripture specifically tell us it is miry clay. No mire means mud. It means clay mixed with mud and that is very significant and we will see what this means in the next study. But with that said, it should be very easy then with a good history book to find out if the word of God came true in this matter. Because remember now, these prophecies were given hundreds of years, I mean long periods of time before these things came to pass. And remember that the God of heaven has distinguished himself from all counterfeit gods by claiming that he alone knows what is to come and he alone can predict the future with accuracy. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. So that is what God says. No other secular writing or religious writing from any other belief system can make the claim of predicting the future hundreds and even thousands of years in advance. And it comes to pass exactly as predicted. None. Only in the Bible is this found. And God says, this should prove to you that I am the only true God and my word cannot fail. Thus, anyone who is skeptical of the truth of the Bible is challenged to take an unbiased look at world history to see if these prophecies written more than 2,500 years ago have actually been fulfilled as predicted. And yes, dear friends, they have been fulfilled and exactly as foretold. The Word of God is infallible in its accuracy. So we do not need to remain in darkness as to the things that are developing around us in the world today. At least, not unless we choose to remain ignorant of these things. Because God has truly shown us what is to come. Now let's go into identifying these kingdoms. When you look back at the record of history, in any history book, we find that things indeed have unfolded exactly as had been foretold. The ancient kingdom of Babylon lasted about 68 years. It rose to power in 606 BC. That means before the time of Christ, before Christ was born on the earth. So Babylon rose to power in 606 BC and lasted until 538 BC. That is a countdown. In 538 BC, they were conquered by another power a joint military alliance between the Median and the Persian armies. They came together, the Medes and the Persians, with Darius II, the general of the army of the Medes. And he led the onslaught against Babylon. Thus, the Medo-Persian Empire took world dominance after defeating Babylon in many battles. In interpreting the king's dream, Daniel had said, You are this head of gold, Nebuchadnezzar, but after you shall be another kingdom. Now history also confirms that after holding the seat of world empire for 207 years, 
the Medo-Persian Empire, which later became known as the Persian Empire, was overthrown also and conquered by the Greeks in 331 BC. The countdown continues. The prophecy had also made it clear that there would be a third kingdom which shall bear rule over all the earth. Daniel 2.39 And Greece was this power. And so under the leadership of their famous general, Alexander the Great, which is a name that any student of history should be familiar with. Under Alexander's leadership, the Greeks were unstoppable. They defeated the Persians in a series of battles, eventually gaining world supremacy after only about eight years of conquest. And though Alexander himself didn't last much longer after this great achievement, the Greek ruling empire itself lasted for 167 years from 331 BC until the decisive battle of Arabella in 168 BC, when they themselves were eventually overthrown and replaced by the Iron Kingdom, the Roman Empire. The prophecy had also predicted that a fourth world empire symbolized by the legs of iron would take the stage playing out its role in world history. This was the Roman Empire coming to its power after defeating the Greeks in 168 BC. And the Roman Empire then ruled the world from 168 BC to 476 AD. Notice there was a change from BC to AD. So the countdown went down to 1, and then we start counting up now from 1, 2, coming up, and we're now in 2021, approximately 2,000 years. So notice this change from BC to AD during the time of the ancient Roman Empire. This means, dear listener, that it was during the time of the Roman Empire that Jesus was born and was crucified for the redemption of mankind. In other words, the birth of Jesus Christ is what separates all of history between BC and AD. The book of Luke chapter 2 and verse 1 tells us that Augustus Caesar was the Roman emperor ruling at the time of the birth of Christ. Jesus was crucified 33 years later under the reign of Tiberius Caesar, another Roman ruler mentioned in Luke chapter 3 and verse 1. So the Roman Empire is represented in the scheme of prophetic events as the kingdom of iron. And as we look into these matters, we immediately realize that as history unfolds with the onward march of time, we are moving from the head towards the feet of the image in an unbroken sequence of successive kingdoms, each one emerging in their time, running their course, and then expiring under the onslaught of a newly emerging and ambitious power as we move towards the end of time. So we get to the fourth kingdom, which history confirms to be Rome, the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire has been the longest reigning of all time, coming into power, as we said earlier, in 168 BC, and eventually collapsing under the pressure of internal strife and corruption and invasion by numerous other outsiders called barbarian tribes. And so 476 AD marks the end of the civil Roman period. 
But while we're on the topic, let me mention a few things about the ancient Roman Empire. Number one, it was the Roman Empire that held world dominion during the time when Jesus Christ walked on earth among men. Reading the New Testament book of Luke, we read, Luke chapter 2 from verse 1 to 5, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. Verse 4, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David. Verse 5 To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. It stands to reason that if a Roman emperor, a Roman Caesar, can make a decree that all the world pay taxes to him, he must have the power over all the other nations to do so. And this was about the time when Mary was matured in pregnancy and getting ready to give birth to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He entered into our human realm to bring salvation to the world. So Jesus was born during the reign of Augustus Caesar, the Roman Emperor, and later crucified under the reign of Tiberius Caesar, another Roman Emperor. In Luke 3, one, just the first part of the verse says, Now in the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, and Herod, being tetrarch of Galilee. This is not just arbitrary detail, dear listeners. It just shows how accurate the Bible is in its predicting and recording the things which must confirm our faith in the truth of God's word. The scripture we just read mentions that during the reign of Tiberius Caesar, in the 15th year of his reign, there was a Roman governor named Pontius Pilate over Judea, the province in which Jerusalem was located. Pilate was the one who gave the Jewish religious leaders the okay for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The religious leaders of the Jews, united with the civil political powers of the Roman government, to bring about the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, it was a union of church and the state that brought about the death of Christ. And we will see in the future that whenever the church and the state join hands together, it always ends up in the persecution of those who are faithful to Jesus Christ. Now another fact about the ancient Roman Empire. Rome was always what is referred to today as an eclectic society, as far as its religion is concerned. In other words, in ancient times, the victorious army in battle took the idol gods of the defeated nations and brought them back to its own land and kept them in a special temple built for that purpose. The idea was that by taking their gods, you have taken their power, and it shows that your gods are mightier than their gods. Rome had a special building built called the Pantheon, which housed all the idols of Rome and all the gods from all the conquered nations that they captured and brought back to their homeland. But by 63 AD, a new and mysterious religion was introduced into the Roman Empire. It was sun worship. One of the famous military leaders of Rome, General Pompey, his name was, came across this religion of sun worship 
in one of his campaigns, his military campaigns overseas, and brought it back to Rome. It was an ancient religion by that time, in existence 2,000 years, but was then newly introduced to Rome and quickly became the official religion of the Roman Empire. It became official and so popular that many of the emperors started minting coins with their face on one side and the sunburst representing the sun god on the other side of these coins. And many of these coins are still found in museums around the world today. And this would remain the same all the way throughout the history of Rome's rule. But after a time, Roman sun worship would be hidden by taking on a different form entirely. All this we will come to see in subsequent studies in the future. Now the third point to be made about Rome is that the prophecy of Daniel 2 shows that the Roman Empire really has two phases, a secular phase followed by a religious phase. After the legs of iron, the next thing the prophet notices is that the feet and toes were of iron and clay. As said before, the Roman Empire, as ruled by the Caesars, that's a civil political empire of Rome, it finally collapsed in 476 AD. So after the end of the ancient Roman Empire, why is it we still see iron moving over into the next phase of the feet and toes towards the end of time? Iron mixed with clay. Why is the iron there? Why not a completely new metal? This means, dear friends, that all the way to the end and the return of Jesus Christ, Rome, the Iron Kingdom, will still be having a major influence in the events that transpire in the world. But it will be working behind the scenes, having taken on a religious appearance. Hence, diligent students of history can now understand why in some of your history books it is still referred to as the Holy Roman Empire. What does all this mean? Iron mixed with clay, with miry clay. How did it come about? What is its purpose or its agenda? What does all this have to do with the prophecy of Daniel chapter 2? And what does it have to do with us living in modern times? A lot, dear friends as we will see when we pick up where we left off in our upcoming study. Until then, have a great week, and God bless you all. Mm -hmm.